There you go. That should be better. Can you hear me okay? Yep. All right. Well, that was fucking annoying, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> well, it's not great. Uh, we should probably talk about this one while it's fresh and uh, and then we can go back to talk for two minutes about Man City being able to smash us and then move on, I guess. Yeah, I think that would be great. Uh, I think that would probably be the best idea. Um <laughs> Because I, I did have a couple of things I wanted to bring up about City, but not much because it was pretty much as you would expect. So, yeah, um, yeah exactly. Episode 172. Uh, welcome to the show, Adam. Uh, Craig is apartment hunting in Chicago. What a lovely day to be doing it if it's as nice here as it is there. Uh, looked like a nice day at the Amex as well. Um, and for the first half, uh, it was the first time probably all year that I'd ever heard the crowd at the Amex. Um, it was yeah. nice to score early, wasn't it? Get them rocking a little bit, get some atmosphere. It was it, because <laughs> in some way, maybe, maybe it wasn't. Um, yeah, it, it was, and you're right. That that the place was going crazy. I mean, I think there's, it was, it's a nice, it was a nice day there, uh, and it's a, it's always a game that's got a little bit of atmosphere, isn't it, against Southampton? Um, and it was, it's a relatively, we're coming off the back of two good performances. I'm removing the, the immediate prior game from memory. Um, and there's there's some hope there. And that was very apparent for 49 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, some uh, some small changes to the side. Uh, we saw Tarek Lamptey not even in the squad today. Is he hurt? Did you see anything about that? Yeah, it, I saw something before the game. He had something crop up, some injury crop up. Uh, and, and I said in the chat as well, I think this is just going to be him. This is who he is. We're going to have to... He, he's a pretty slight guy. Uh, and he's, he's like messy pre-growth hormones. Uh, and I think this is just going to be him. This is we're going to have to manage him very, very, very carefully. Yep, uh, Trossard back into the side, not playing that wing back role that he played recently. Uh, definitely very much more in the middle. Uh, no Bissouma suspended still. Uh, it's his last game though to suspension. He'll be back for the rest yep. of the year. Yep. Um, and Mope and Welbeck uh, both in the side um, today, which was a bit of a shocker. Uh, and looks like we went full on four at the back. Um, Veltman, Webster, Dunk, Kukurea, uh, Caicedo, McAllister played a lot deeper today, uh, and Wepu was just all over the place, um, as you would expect him to be. Um, the two things to point out on their side of the field, for me, I thought, uh, the obvious, be very careful and very wary of James Ward-Prowse, which I feel like we've talked about the last time we played them, uh, because he is... As you said, basically a Tesco value David Beckham at this point. He's very dangerous. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, of course, keeping an eye on that front group uh, because they are very quick, uh, both Che Adams and Shane Long. However much Shane Long doesn't like to score goals, he is very rapid. Um, and it showed today, didn't it? I thought we were in all sorts of trouble all the time. Um, whenever they came forward, it, it looked like we were a little bit ragged at the back. We look very uncomfortable defensively. Uh, and uh, when we saw Webster on the team sheet, there was a sigh of relief there. Like, thankfully, we've, we've got him back. Um, maybe that gives us a bit more flexibility to play a little bit more the way that we would ideally want to. Um, that turned out to be less of a blessing and more of a curse, given their, their uh, 
uh, second goal. Um, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure about some of the lineup. Like you said, that the Mope and Welbeck thing, and I think the problem is whatever we say here is going to be right and wrong at the same time because clearly in the first half, well, Welbeck looked like his old premium self, like back to his best and other sporadic throughout his career. And Mopé looked incredibly. I tweeted out about this. I thought Mopé was outstanding in the first half. He was closing people down. He was getting in front of people. He was using his body incredibly well. There was that point where he absolutely destroyed, I think, Salisu and then put on a great cross in when Mwepu sort of like squared it over um, to, to Welbeck, I think it was. He was playing great. And then since they came out for the second half, you can you can turn around and say, well, that never worked, did it? World Bet looked terrible, Mopay looked terrible, everyone looked awful. <laughs> uh, but you're right when you when you point out the danger men in the Southampton team. I think the, t- the two that stand out for me are Livramento and Ward Prowse. Livramento, we were I, and I feel really bad for the guy because that that looked like an ACL. I am no doctor by any means but it's one it's when people go down when there's no challenge and they've just done something where they've twisted something and they're immediately they're waving for the people to come on it always feels like it something really brutal and if so he's probably going to miss the start of next season um rough for him but he's he was left completely wide open two or three times in the first half no one was near him and I don't know whether that was Kukurea's responsibility because he was on the left side of the four at the back that we had to begin with in the first half or whether the team, with the lack of Basuma, we didn't have that person filling in on the wing to, to cover for a pushing up fullback like Livermento. So there was a gap there, literally and figuratively. And then and then the other one is Will Prowse. So the two danger men, in my opinion, we let do precisely what they want to do. Uh, and that that hurts. That can punish you. Yeah, yep. Uh, Livermento agreed. Uh, it didn't look great, did it? I can't see him being back. Um, the thankfully England have a wealth of right backs to pick from if they want any for Qatar, uh, but it certainly won't be him, I don't think. Um, but it all started so well. Seventy-four seconds in, Danny Welbeck on the score sheet. Uh, good bit of play overall. One of those patented at this point low-driven crosses from Kukurea. He's been playing a lot of FIFA. Yeah. Um, yeah. Takes a really tiny deflection, but really well challenged at the near post by Mwepu, which allows it to kind of just bobble up. Uh, and if there's ever a place where I do trust Danny Welbeck, uh, it's two yards out for a tapping. Um, he would have had to have done some serious uh, gymnastics to miss that. And we're, we're off to the races two minutes in. Um, and I don't, I don't think we really let up from then all no. the way up until half time. Um, I thought we were excellent all the way through that first half. Uh, we dominated the ball. It was a case of one of those things of, well, if we're not going to get a second, we're going to get punished for it here. Uh, and shortly after the injury, uh, what, 43 minutes, I think it was on the clock. Um, Danny Welbeck, again, uh, instrumental in this um, with an unbelievable ball with the outside of his foot. Yeah, uh, out. Just unreal. Um, and then continued his run into the box, which caused Salisi to shit his pants uh, and put a really tidy finish <laughs> past Forster, to be fair. Um, and honestly, <laughs> we could have had three or four uh, in that first half, I thought. Yeah, and Salisi's been very good this year as well. So to, to put him in that position where he's going to great finish uh, or put that in his own net is 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 testament to the 
the situation that was created and mainly due to, to Welbeck's pass. Uh, and he did a bit of a duke as well to get around someone. It was really well played. Again, he looked fantastic in that first half. Um, but I do, uh, I want to talk quickly just about Wepu as well, because he was another one in the first half who was, I mean, it was Jekyll and Hyde situation, him incredibly so, where he was very, very good in the first half. The second half is an absolute liability. and He was dragged off. 15 minutes in yeah. um, he gives you that different edge and we've talked about this a lot but he's such a direct player um, he'll make those runs in behind he will drive forward and he's less about just a sideways pass and more about I'm just gonna I'm just gonna run forward here and see what I can make happen um, so yeah not only did he play a part in that first goal but he was all over the place in the in, in a first half in a good way um, and I think that's the four at the back system has got a bad rap during that bad run that we had a few games ago. Um, but this is the good side of it. In the first 45 minutes, you saw the good side of it. It's when we can, we, we're able to control the middle of the park. We can have Wepu and our other players push forward and we can be very, very direct. Uh, and then, of course, you start to see the downfall when the other team gets the onus in the first half and it, you start to see the, the cracks happen. Yep. Um, like you said, when we were chatting, uh, we give away, and I've said this numerous times, um, we have a tendency to give away uh, really good positions via fouls uh, against teams that are really good with set pieces. I don't know why we do it. Um, we do it every single time. Uh, and we were we were punished today. Um, you said it prior to the commentator saying it, so got to give the credit where it's due. Uh, it. It essentially was uh, penalty distance for James Will Prowse at that point. Yeah. Um, very, very clear to me, and, and I said it to the missus as she was just dutifully nodding along um, prior to the commentator as well, that Sanchez does not trust that wall one bit. Um, he stood right in the middle of the goal. His positioning was crap, and it was because he just didn't trust them at all. He did not trust that, that wall to do their job. Um, and he did, in the end, didn't have to worry about it because Ward Browse noted that and put it straight in the other bottom corner on the other side. Uh, and Sanchez yeah. was so far out of position, he never had a chance to get anything from it. Um, and at that point, you go into half time, 2 1 down. They've got the onus then. They've got that kick up. They're going to come into half time, G'd up for it. They've just lost Livermento. They're probably going to go back there and see that he's really hurt, which is probably going to push them up even more of like, let's go get it let's go get it done boys because it does do that for a lot of teams uh and less than 10 minutes have been the second half we couldn't weather that storm um and james ward prowls again with an absolute screamer uh we won the xg today as per huge uh 1.76 to 0.96 um but when you continue to allow james ward prowls of all people that kind of space from those kinds of distances doesn't matter does it no, uh, it really doesn't. Uh, and, and, and he was truly the difference today. Like if he's not on the pitch, we win that game 2-0. Because um, I don't really know who else they have in their team looking around that could... Shane Long, in, in my opinion, is probably the worst forward in the Premier League. Um, yeah, he's fast, but I, I don't... I, I just laugh whenever I see him play. Um, outside, you just... Ward Price has just got that extra level of quality where... Anything can happen if you're just around the, the box. That ball from Romeo, though, the little back heel made that and, and gave him that opening to do it. Um, it was tough. Uh, it, it, it was tough. You just can't be that wasteful and 
creating too many mistakes at the back. And I think I've shared something as well. And I'm not sure if anyone's seen this, maybe we can tweet this out, but there was a post done by, um, I think a Labrooks account, maybe about most errors leading to an opposition shot since 2020 in the premier league. Fifth on that list, joint fifth, um, is, is Adam Webster five errors in 46 appearances leading to an opposition shot. Well, he also made a pretty significant mistake to give that that second goal away there. So if you take that into account, there's only one player that has now made more errors leading to an opposition shot in the Premier League for two years. And that's Harry Maguire, who just had a bomb threat and has been dropped by his team as captain. So not <laughs> we all love Adam Webster. He's just signed a new contract. But there's a downside to his play, and we see that sometimes, and we're still not we still not rid ourselves of a lot of these defensive lapses that we see. Dunk wasn't completely innocent today either. We talked about Sanchez and the wall. I thought Kukure was poor. Like that, that giveaway for the, the challenge that got him his yellow card that gave the free kick at the end of the first half. That's yeah. because he was it him and Dunk or him and Webster. They were just chasing around like just two idiots, both going the same way. Like neither one of them just covered the opposite side. So he had to commit the foul. That he misjudged the jump by a mile. Misjudged he? that as well. That's poor communication. Um, Veltman's the only one he, that, that left himself in a good light, in my opinion, in, in that back line today. And he put in a really good challenge in the second half that, that stopped a really potentially good chance for Southampton as well. Yeah. Kukure defensively today wasn't at it, was he? Uh, offensively no. looked great. Uh, but defensively dallied a bit on that in the second half of that ball though and he chipped over the entire team yeah, yeah. that's probably why he's asked to keep them low and hard uh, yeah because yeah. of that um, but I, I think I think it really does lend credence to the lack of Bissouma. Um I think Caicedo was asked to do that role today but he was also asked to cover the middle because McAllister is not the midfielder capable of doing it um, so no. I think he was he was essentially trying to do both jobs and with Basuma in there instead, one can do one, one can do the other, and we look a lot more solid immediately. Um, but with that midfield three, Mwepu was just too everywhere else. <laughs> he just he didn't have a position. Uh, so Kaiseido was almost left doing the cover wing and cover centre job that you would expect Basuma to do one or the other. And, and they did together almost like psychically would from game one, which was unbelievable, the the partnership they'd already struck up. And that's precisely what happened, right? And 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 Southampton figured that out at half time. And they said, well, okay, well, if you avoid that high press that we're putting on, which is with with Mope, Welbeck, Trossard, McAllister, and Wepu, who can all push up high, well then you're just facing a back four and Casado who has to cover everyone. And that's why Potter then saw, oh crap, this isn't going to go too well. And made those changes early, way earlier than we normally make changes to completely tweak the system, move to five at the back. He then moved the wing backs around as well. Gross came in, who was able to then sit alongside Casado a little bit more um, and, and, um, and, and basically change things up a little bit because that was clearly a big problem. And I think you're also seeing some of the things that I mentioned a bit earlier, which all that space Livermento got. Casado can only do so much, right? He was given all that space. You just don't have enough personnel to to cover defensively when you they've got round your high press. Yeah, yeah, and and that was I think that was the problem with us playing so narrow today. We really just left Kuku all on his own. Uh huh. Um, and that's never going to be great. Um, subs were made 
early, which was good. And they helped a little bit, I thought, uh, but not massively. Um, and same goes for theirs, to be fair. Bro, Broha, Broha, whatever his name is now. Broya, if you want Broya, to that's the one. Albanian. Yes, uh, I knew his pronunciation was asked to be changed. Um, they they didn't make much difference either, I thought. And and he's usually very, very good whenever I've seen him come on. Um, Sarmiento didn't, unfortunately, get much time or much of the ball. Um, and it kind of just fizzled out, didn't it? Um, that second half after they uh, they scored the two and we made the subs, there was not a huge amount to talk about barring the disallowed goal. Um, it felt Pascal like we were going to lose though. It did. It did. <laughs> it did. There was a 10 minute <laughs> period of time towards the end of the game where it felt like, Oh, maybe we can snatch it, which is when you, you know, you, I know you brought up the disallowed goal, which is during that five to 10 minutes where it felt like we shifted it a bit outside of that. It was pretty much half an hour of us weathering a storm. And then, I don't know about you, but when I was watching it, I, was, I haven't seen the ball just in the air being headed around this much since I've watched sort of conference football. Uh, it felt like the ball yeah, was just yeah. bopping around way too much. Just get it on the floor. Anyway. No, I agree. Uh, it was pretty wild. Um, you could hear the fans getting pissed off too, couldn't you? They were they wanted that ball on the floor and something actually being done with it instead of just head tennis. Yeah, well, and also a lot of them uh, did the classic Amex move of... Um, not being there at the 90th minute. So many empty seats in prime positions in the stadium when the Fairweathers decided to just peace out early. But anyway, it's another discussion. Yes, uh, I'm sure we will have that discussion come the end of the season uh, for next season and what we need to do to to get better all over the pitch, on and off it. Um, I think that's a pretty obvious low-hanging fruit conversation that we will have. Um, my opinion uh, on the goal is that if the Lino didn't flag for that, I think it gets given. Uh, I think those lines are so tight, uh, you could flip them around the yellow and blue, yellow and red, blue and red. Jesus, I had a stroke. Uh, yeah, a couple of colours, one of them. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you could have swapped those colours around and I don't think anyone would have blinked an eye. And I think you'd have gone, oh, that was close. Uh, either which way. Um, felt a lot like they were just back in the lino there. Um, and I feel a bit hard done by for Pascal Gross, who, of all people, should never be caught in an offside position. Um Thought he was hard done by because it was a hell of a strike, wasn't it? It was an absolute smash and grab. And when that ball was first played in, it felt a little iffy because he was close, right? But I completely agree with you. If the linesman didn't decide to put his flag up, uh, you, you're right. Whatever colour the lines are, the, I think the thing that really annoyed me was that they didn't even on the TV stream actually even zoom in they showed the lines Nothing, basically no. a sort of seagull eye view <laughs> just miles out from a blimp um and they're like well clearly you actually don't really have the proper proof here you've just lobbed a couple of lines on the screen don't look too closely uh and even even if it was the case um it was what half an inch maybe but you couldn't even properly tell because his knee was there and you're comparing a knee to a I, I think that level of intricacy, I don't even know if it's intricacy, it's more being pedantic that annoys people about VAR because it's just give the advantage to the attacker when it's essentially negligible yep. because it brings out a better game. Um, like that's such an annoying thing to have clawed back when basically it's a, it's a 50-50 decision. Um, and that's that's the thing that needs to change. Clearly the technology pseudo works but once you get away from very clear differences you're then just it's 
it's been conversations been had so much, but you're just it's not geometry. Like, come on, like if you have to then get microscopic lines out to just piece together specific parts, you've gone too far. Just just give the advantage if it's really close. Yep. I think that's all that needs to be said, really. Uh, really obvious, despite us continuing to state it and then continue to ignore it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's there's millions of fans saying the same thing, I feel like. Um, yeah, this is not unless, an original thought, I'll tell you that. Yeah, unless VAR sides with them that week, in which case they'll let them off. Um, I'm sure Saints fans are a little bit more forgiving this week uh, and won't be for the next 37. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, we, we, we snatched a draw from the jaws of victory. Uh, my favorite yeah. part, my favorite stat today that I heard was that despite the draw and not getting the win, uh, we just added 20% more goal volume at the Amex than we've seen all season. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? <laughs> Shocking, isn't it? I, I said to you and Craig in the chat, the home form, it really is sackable at this point. Uh, and yeah. the away form, the away form is good enough to sit him down and ask him to stay for another couple of years. It's astounding that these records are not yep. it doesn't make any sense whatsoever um and obviously the crowd play a minor part of course they do because if you're in that amex and it's rocking like it was against city with eight thousand people in there which is absurd by the way uh still that that's the best atmosphere that we've generated in years um i'm sure it helps and i'm sure it turns maybe two draws into wins out of 19 games or whatever it is we play at home but it's not enough. There's many other things there. There's many other factors that are underlying there. Um, and I think one of the big ones we've touched on uh, is is playing at home and teams choosing to sit back more and our inability to get through those teams that, that do that. Um, I think that's got to be a place we really look to, to, to change in the summer, right? I hope so. Um, and it's... I don't even know if it's necessarily just players... It's going to be a combination of a number of things. But even today, even today against this Southampton side, he essentially didn't really show up. And it felt like we dominated them for 45 minutes. But if you go back to the actual statistics from the game, uh, we had five shots on target, none off target. Great for us. Like, we never see that. Normally, we've got a couple of just absolute bullets that go into the top tiers. Um, but Southampton had five shots on target as well, but eight shots off target. So I, I know it was a cliched game of two halves, but even in that, they dominated us more in the second half at our own home than we dominated them in the first half when we were essentially one mistake away from walking in comfortably 2-0 up. So that just goes to tell you that even when we look like we're playing well and scoring at the Amex, we're still not playing at the level that we arguably should be in completely dominating teams. It's a bigger conversation. It's also not, we're not alone in this problem. Yes, it feels like we have it magnified, but there's a lot of teams out there that are struggling with home form and playing better away from home. Something weird happened during the pandemic and the way atmospheres worked and fans worked where we all thought there'd be this massive galvanizing effect of coming in and playing in front of a full home of cheering, roaring supporters and a lot of the times it's actually seemed to have had the opposite effect uh it's it's a weird one and i don't think we're going to be able to figure it out until we see a lot more and and, a, and actually make some changes whether it's the way that we play and bring in some more personnel next year to see if this is really something we have to worry about long term yeah i mean watford two wins at i'm all season at vicarage road double that away 
that's I mean that's the reason they're going down, right? You, you mm-hmm. can't you can't have two wins at home, uh, even though we only have three. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. It's not it's not just us. Uh, there are other teams out there that are really struggling um, away from home. Uh, Villa at home, they've got a better away record. Um, there's a couple as well that, that are also much better away from home. Um, you know, it's it's hard to to generate that fortress, and and we're failing to do it. Um, yeah. Talking of players, though. Uh, we've already touched on a few of them. Um, let's talk about Trossard just quickly. Um, the current thing I'm doing on Twitter with the extend, sell and free. Yeah. So every day, uh, other than weekends, because it's games, like I'm trying not to post them on the same day as a game because you're just, it's just going to get lost in the shuffle. So during the week, uh, I'm posting the extend sell free um, and it's covering players that are out of contract this summer. And we're now well into the contracts out of next summer. So 2023, um, because we've got to make choices on a lot of these players come this summer uh, because yep. the idea of letting Trossard go on a free next summer is just unbelievable. Like, unthinkable, right? He'll be 28 years old, literally in his prime at that point, letting him go on a free would be negligent at best. <laughs> um do you think he's here next year? I don't know how much interest he attracts with how inconsistent he is. Um, and I know he's quote unquote an international for a top side. He's not starting important games for them, but like he's not going to be on in the first 11. Um, is he some on some days our best player by a country mile? Yes. Is he sometimes an absolute liability and does essentially what appears to be nothing? Yes. He does that too. Um, I think if you get the, and I'll say this about a lot of the players that on our team that are in these similar kind of positions, if you get a reasonable offer prior to a contract period becoming into question where they can start having these other conversations i think you entertain it because you could argue you could replace him with someone that is a lot more consistent with a higher floor and a lower ceiling that will fit into this system better um because I think maybe because these ups and downs that we see if you want to create an up and down team who are capable of beating anyone but are capable of being destroyed by anyone well we just played them today they're Southampton and you come 15th in the league or, you know, 30 or whatever it's going to be. Sure. I'd, it'd be sad to see him go. It would be sad to see him go. But, it's tough, isn't it? I, I would not be surprised if he's gone in the summer. He's on record recently saying that he's going to see what's on offer in the summer. Yeah, I think, it's, I think, I think that's good for everyone. I think that's good yeah. for the club. I think it's good for him. Yeah, uh, another one of those. And the reason I brought him up specifically was because he was, I think it was 92 or 93% extend, uh, highest by a bajillion miles. No, because um, you have to think how much you have to pay him to extend. Well, that's it, right? Uh, and I think I think the thing is, and I think it lends exactly what you just said, I think it really depends on his interest this summer. Because if he doesn't get the offers he expects or interest he expects, I think he yep. does sign a deal that's more reasonable for us to afford. Yeah, if he's as valuable as he probably thinks he is, then I think we'd probably let him go. And it only takes one team, right, to come in and go, 
we like you enough to pay you for what we think you're capable of doing. <coughs> Newcastle. Uh, right. And that's okay. That's, that's okay. But I, I, I think this, this club and this staff that we have are incredibly pragmatic and they'll look at his body of work and what he's capable of doing, but more importantly, what he does week in and week out. And he'll, they'll put a value on that. Now, Trossard's agent is going to come along and he's going to say, look at what he can do. He single-handedly won you games. True. Absolutely true. He is an international for one of the top teams in the world. Also true. He deserves to be your highest paid player. Um, and here's what we want. And he's, he's about to be, like you said, 28. We want a four or five year deal for him to see him through to, you know, the twilight of his career. Yeah. Um, that's going to be expensive. And I, it would feel out of character for this team to do that. It would feel out of character. It would. Yep. I mean, you've got Slamienzo on the bench already today. You've got my timer tearing it up in Belgium. Uh, and you've got possibly two or three others that, I mean, Wepu is capable of playing further up if you want to keep him there. Um, you've got, uh, what's his name, Kozlowski or whatever his name is that, from every stat thing I can read, he's more of an attacking midfielder that mm-hmm. doesn't mind going out wide either. Um, I think that you're also going to see him take a look at that as well. Yeah, 96%, 94%, I think, said extend, which is by far the biggest vote so but, far. Though. He's got that yeah. knockout energy, though, doesn't he? Where it's like He it, does at times. It, he can come in and do the, the absolute sublime and also do the ridiculous, but... <laughs> There's a reason these players can don't have necessarily the sort of the careers that you could otherwise want them to have um, based on what their talent level is. Um, yes, he, he brings something completely different that I really don't think necessarily another player in the team can replicate. That's the problem. Maybe Sarmiento can replicate it. There are players that can do similar types of things or at least play in the role but he can play pretty. I can play left wing back now that we see. He can play left winger, yep. right winger, central attack, false nine. He can do all of those things, and he can excel there. That's the problem that they're going to have to decide what the value is on that. And is it worth the fact that sometimes he just seems like he takes fourteen touches too many, uh, gives the ball away, and is anonymous for seventy minutes of a game and gets and gets taken off? That happens. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there is another one I want to touch on, but I'm going to do that for the city game. Uh, when we jump to that real quickly. Uh, but man of the match today for Saints. Who you got? I don't know. Uh, because it was such a weird change from the first. I think in the first half, you have to give it to Welbeck. Yeah. And in the second half, I don't, can you give it to anyone? <laughs> well, that's why I'm going with Welbeck as well, uh, because yeah. I just don't think there was anything by anybody in that fir- in that second half to make any difference. Uh, he scored the first. He basically assisted and scored the second in a way uh, with with the ball he played over, and then the fact that he forced Salisu into that excellent finish. Um, and nobody in the second half did anything um, that that was in any way noteworthy. Um, so for me, yeah. It's the it's the it's the kind of the low hanging fruit again of like yeah like the goal and assist guy I guess um, because nobody else really offered much of anything 
Yeah, we're not a sport for choice. If, if if that gross goal stood, maybe you could argue give it to him. Um, Possibly. He, the system change came in. We looked a little bit more solid once we changed here and he could come in and sit a bit deeper and he spanked the goal in. Veltman, like I said, was best of a bad bunch at the back. Yep, that was going to be my other one. Uh, Veltman was the only one. Again, uh, I feel like we're saying this a lot. Veltman, the only one in that back line that made zero errors, I thought, today. he was. Yeah, he's he's been solid. one of our better players this year, really has. Um, but he's, more of an indictment on the rest, to be honest. Yeah, uh, but again, 900 grand. What an yeah. sign that is. Just every time I think about it, it, it raises his value more, I think, because of the sheer amount of money we spent for him. Um, just makes it outrageous to me. Yeah. Uh, we can jump onto City, though. Um, I had three talking points to talk about here uh, because we've only we got beat 3-0 at the Etihad by Manchester City. All right, cool. Like, that's pretty much what you'd expect. Um, we had very little opportunities on goal, uh, two shots, one on target, very little in the way of chances created, very little in the way of anything, really. Uh, I think the game went just about as you would expect it to. So I have three things to talk about uh, and anything you have, obviously. Um, number one, deflected goals. Uh, Brighton and Albion are quite the master uh, of conceding deflected goals. I would have to go back and watch, and I'm absolutely not. But I feel like we've probably conceded six to seven deflected goals this season uh, out of 40, which is almost 25% of our goals are taking deflections for going in. I watch a lot of Premier League because work from home is just such a blessing. Uh, I don't feel like I see that a lot with other teams. Why do you think it is that we are so prone to that deflection that leads to a goal? We almost had it again today with Livermento's shot. Um, it's a hard one to puzzle out. I, if I had to take a sort of guess at it, we tend to put ourselves in positions where we give players the ability to take a shot. And we've talked about this before, but we wanted to see this more from our forwards. It's just take the shot. And Mwepu does that very well, but he's one of the few in the team that that, that actually do that. Ooh, um McAllister hit that absolute bazooka today, by the he way. He did. You? He's the other one. He's the other one that can do it. Um <laughs> we tend to put ourselves into tricky positions, especially when we're playing out from the back and we give the ball away high up the pitch and these players will just try and take a shot. You could also argue that players are trying to take a shot because they see something in Sanchez and they want to try and challenge the keeper. The other thing is that Lewis Dunk, in my mind, has always been probably the best player in the Premier League at blocking shots. He's been off this year, even with the injury. He's not been the same player. Um, It's a number of different things, but it's starting to turn into more of a pattern than... Uh, I guess just it's something that just seems to happen sporadically. That's the worrying thing. Yeah. Uh, someone asked me that on um, the, uh, the Twitter, on Twitter. And my answer was similar to that. Uh, I think, especially against the bigger teams and the better teams, I think we have uh, this tendency to be very organized and get ourselves into this really good low block right there on the edge of the box and just challenge them. And mm-hmm. just like, put the ball in, put the ball in the box, see what happens. And what tends to happen is they get frustrated and start taking shots from range. And at that point, you have Dunk, who is just, doesn't matter what keeper's behind him. He did it with 
David Stockdale. He did it with Matt Ryan. He's doing yeah, it with yeah, Robert yeah. Sanchez. He is going to throw his body in front of that ball, regardless of what you do. That's just who he is. Um, and I think we are, and Shane Duffy was exactly the same, right? That's just who he was as well. Uh, I just looked. Uh, Shane Duffy is 33rd on the list for total number of blocks, despite playing like, what, eight games? Um, that's outrageous. Uh, when you look at the names yeah. ahead of him, the fact that he's already up there. Um, yeah, you've got players that have played every game. Like, he's made more blocks than Kukurea did. Uh, Van Dyke, uh, Stuart Dallas, Veltman, uh, Sanchez, Lindelof. Uh, he's he's made more but Cooper, who's played every game, and Captain Shah, uh, Declan Rice. Could argue he finds himself out of position so often that he has to just fling his body out. <laughs> that might be the yeah. other reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think I think that could be part of it too. I think we we're so well organized when we're playing at bigger teams uh, that all all we're just playing teams that are good on the attacks. It happened with Villa. We sat back and we thought that Matty Cash was going to whip that ball in. He didn't. He hit it. It took like two deflections and went in. It yeah. happened again against City um, twice, and they were real victimised goals as well. They were. If that was FIFA, you're turning it off. You're rage quitting, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Livermento <laughs> today. It's it is, it's happening a lot. But you're right. We tend to try and let players get into these positions and and, and sort of say, "Go on, have a go." Um, problem at least i know we're talking about city here but james will prowse will, will take those shots um and he'll score them <laughs> whether they're on target or they're deflected right like yeah. if you allow them to stay on target he's going to put them in a bottom corner if you do put a body part out there you're running the risk of yep. continuing to concede deflected shots <laughs> yeah which is a, pretty much um pretty much. second talking point uh Bissouma. No Basuma these last two games. Uh, we've talked about the effect he had today. I thought that we missed him. Um, yeah. Do you think that result's any different in midweek? It's with so Basuma hard to today? say. With it's, I know it is, but it was one of those ones I really wanted to bring up. Well, it's it's more like I think there's only two teams in the league where any hypothetical goes out the window because, yeah, we, for the first half against City, we caught we we frustrated the hell out of them. Um. Big and not time. a lot of sides can really do what we did. And it was impressive. The problem was that we, we couldn't do anything. I mean, it was it was annoying to watch that game because it just felt like we couldn't put two passes together. But Man City's press is absolutely unbelievable. Um, we, as soon as one player could even, if they were even allowed to get it under control, which was rare, you got the ball out to a second player and the panic set in when he saw multiple players descending on him. They do what we try and do to teams, but just at a level so far away beyond it, it's it's unbelievable. Um, so it was impressive that we denied them opportunities for 45 plus minutes. Um, and then you just got two unfortunate situations. But the problem being is that even if you do that, the third goal epitomizes what happens. Even if you stop everything, you don't get unlucky with deflections they've got the players that just go, you know what? I think we win now. Let's just win now. Uh, and that happens. So to answer your question, does Basuma make a difference? I think today he absolutely makes the difference against Southampton. No yeah. I think we win that game um, against city. I'm not even sure we concede. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, you, you shut, you close down those players. You remove some of the problems that we talked about. He's so good at that. Um, Against City, we still lose. I think we just lose in a different way. 
that's fair. Um, I think we're missing the outlet still. And I feel like we've said that for five years now, um, but we are continuing to miss the outlet. Uh, and Watford showed it yesterday. Watford are a lot worse than us, clearly. Uh, they're, they're basically already all but officially relegated at this point, nine points adrift. Um, and <clears throat> they're done, right? They're, they're cooked. Yes. Um, but they showed more going forward than we did yesterday. Um, did. And it was all down to Saar and Dennis with the pace that they show uh, and the willingness to leave that one man up as opposed to trying to fight the press with the press uh, once they got into our half. Uh, Dennis just sat on the halfway line. Um, and when they did panic and they hoofed it up, uh, it was Dennis against Laporte, and Laporte's not very quick. Um, and it yeah. caused them all sorts of problems constantly. Um, and Albion do not have a single player in that front grouping that has that burst of pace. Welbeck is quick, but he doesn't have the explosive quick that you need. And we saw Graham Potter use that to great success with Dan James way back in the day mm-hmm. in that FA Cup tie. So we know he can see it. We know we can see it. Uh, and I think that's something that we really, really need to get this summer. I don't know whether my Toma is that guy. I don't know how quick he is. And it's really hard to gauge when you're watching the Belgian League because who's like it's an odd thing to like try and understand yeah. when you're watching highlights and stuff, because who's quick there isn't here. So like, it's tough. Um, and that's the big question I have around Undab too, because he steamrolls past people with speed. And I'm like, is that fast or is that like Pascal gross? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> um, it's yeah. rough. Um, I, I agree. And I disagree with you. I agree when it comes to, like it's great that Watford had that. Yeah, they had more chances than we did. All of those things. But you, you, on the other side of that, they got absolutely battered. Yeah, they got the goal oh, yeah. and there's some chances. But I'd rather do what we did because there's a ch- the thing with the way Watford played against Man City is they had they never ever had a chance of winning. Nope. They They've had now a chance of sixty seven goals. Right. They, they had a chance of losing two one. Let's say three one. Like that's the positive that comes out of that. They score. And it, they, they got on the score sheet, congratulations. Whereas we have a chance there to frustrate Man City. And if they don't get a couple of jammy goals and then just a, an absolute worldie, a lot of ifs there, I know. But there's games that happen and Man City have played some recently where they get frustrated and they can't get that goal or they get one and concede one. That's possible against Man City. The, uh, losing 5-1 is, is less of the way that I do it. And I think the problem why we don't have the people in our team to do that is we're not set up to 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 play that way. We play a possession-based passing system, create the spaces, create overlaps, get the ball into the center. Um a pacey player when we're playing a side like let's use Watford doesn't do anything for us. Like it doesn't matter how fast we necessarily are right up top on the pitch, left wing, right wing, right in the striker role, because for an outlet standpoint, when we've got 65, 70% possession, which is the aim, um, it doesn't matter about the speed. It's about creating openings and smashing the ball in the net. Um, We don't play a counter-attacking style of football where you want those pacey players to be able to, to, to be able to do that. Um, so that's why I just don't think we have it. Potter doesn't want to play like that right now. And he, when you have Dan James, when you're managing that team, 
you kind of have to change the way in which you, you use your, your people. Yeah. Um, I do think that that's going to be one of the shopping list people that we look for, though. I yeah, do just think having an option. Just an option. An option. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think that's going to be something we look at. Um, and I think he, I think he low-key hoped Aaron Connolly was going to be that. And he utilized him like that for a <laughs> yeah, while. Wow. Um, but uh, he's tearing it up at Middlesbrough at the minute. Um, not. Uh, yeah. Final talking point for me. Uh, Neil Mope, again, dropped to the bench. Uh, I think it's now safe to say that he is officially a rotation option and not a number one striker. Uh do you agree with that, or do you think it was horses for courses in the last couple of games with Welbeck being up front? Uh, you had to drop him. He was playing so poorly. Uh, and we dropped him before. This happened earlier in the season. Um, he, and he's been through, I feel like Mopes played four seasons in one season, it feels like. Um, <laughs> he's yeah. fallen in and out of form so much. The problem being is his in form doesn't necessarily even come with goals in it a lot of the time. Um you saw the positive side of that resting, dropping, whatever you want to call it, in the first half today, where he was like a, I don't know, he was like a whippet, just charging around, doing what you want to do, causing problems, buzzing around. Um, what you don't see still is you don't see him looking like he's going to score, which is sort of what he's there for. <laughs> um, he plays a really nice role, but one that we don't have enough supplemental pieces around him necessarily, which again, we've talked to, to, to exhaustion at this point to be, to allow him to be the player that he currently is. So um, was it right to rest him or drop him against a few teams that we played? Well, yeah, because we, we, we beat Spurs. Um, we beat Arsenal. Uh, if things went differently, in these two games, they could look like a genius decision. <sighs> He's a rotation option now, but the problem is your starter isn't good enough. I know Welbeck looked great today for 45 minutes, but he's done this throughout his career. It's great sometimes. It's it's more of a rarity. He's got quality touches, but he's just not going to do what you need a number nine to do. Um, we don't, in my opinion, we do not have a number nine in this squad, which isn't exactly an audacious statement to make, everyone saying this, but yeah, neither of them are the answer. Uh, neither of them really ideally should be starting at all. Interestingly enough, that's my next point. Uh, 76% of Albion fans both want Welbeck and Mopay extended, which was bizarre, I thought. Uh, 76%. Just more of the same. Keep doing it. Um, yeah, uh, which is ironic, isn't it, really, uh, considering we're getting the hashtag Potter out whenever we lose a couple of games and people not wanting, begging us to sign a striker. Uh, those same fans are voting to keep them. Um, but the the real question is, does it really matter what the fans want, does it? Uh, Danny, no. Welbeck, Danny Welbeck is well in the rumour mill of being offered another year. I suspect if he is, he takes it. Uh, and I suspect that if he does take it, he will be sitting uh, on the bench for the majority of it as an option. Uh, and really just a presence in the in the changing room, really, um, and on the training pitch for some of these young players that we're inevitably bringing through, right? Your undabs. Um, and, well, I mean, it's not that young, but your undabs, uh, your mitomas, your other players that you're going to be bringing in. But yeah, as of um, yet, unmentioned players that we would sign that could potentially define our season next year that we don't know exactly. about. Exactly. 
Uh, Neil Mopay, however, has had nothing. Dead silence. I think it's probably a foregone to me that Welbeck gets another year for the above reasons. Um, and I think it's just a year. Um, and I think it will probably be his last year with us. And I don't really mind it because I get the logistic of it. Um, Neil Mopay, though, in the final year of his contract as well, coming in, he's out of contract in 2023. Mm-hmm. I would imagine his market is much smaller than Trossard's. Is he an Albion player come September 1st? No, we've talked about this a little bit before, haven't we? I, I think we have. But that's the reason I'm bringing it back up is because of him fully becoming this rotation option in recent weeks, as opposed to being the guy that Potter persists with. Here's the, the problem that I have with, well, not just the, the only one. The biggest problem I have with him <laughs> is selling him now is like selling low. It is. It is. Uh, You're selling the dip. <laughs> and um, no one in their right that t- t- Bloom won't want to do that. Like you make a big investment in this guy at the time, um, you spend a fair amount of money, and then you you sell. I don't you. I don't think you reclaim that money. I don't um, think you'd be, you'd be lucky to reclaim half, wouldn't you? Exactly. So you've got a year left on his contract. He's not particularly well rated, but you have to think: is he? Is he worth having around? Because even the thing with Welbeck is, as you say, uh, maybe there's a part coaching aspect to that. Um, probably fantastic in a, in the dressing room. Great influence on other players. A professional. Um, my pace not really. Seems like a great guy. But, you know, he's a shithouser, isn't he? Uh, yep. And he seems like such a lovely bloke, but he doesn't have those same elements to him as, as Welbeck does. So what does he do? The other piece is that when you bring Welbeck on sometimes, you go, all right, 15 minutes to go. Danny's capable of snatching something here. He's got the quality. Yep. doesn't necessarily have the legs anymore. He's You can't rely on him all the time because he might be injured, but he could get your goal here. He's capable. When you bring on Mope, he's never proven himself to be good as a sub. Never. Never proven that. So that worries me. So if you're not starting him, I don't know if he adds enough value to you as just purely being an option to just bring in when other players are injured or at the end of a game when you need a goal. Um, you, you'd also have to pay him a certain amount where that becomes an expensive option to have, considering we've got players that are out on loan currently who I think could do that job if we need them that won't be as expensive. Um, he's a tough one. I think he's the type of player that strikes me as a Mitrovic, a Timo Puki, players that are, would smash a step down from this league. Um, and he's proven that. Uh, and I think this, we've see, we have enough of a sample size now to see that Neil Mope is not what we hoped he would become. Um, he can get you the odd few goals. He's never going to get to a point where he's what you hoped when you paid for him. Do you know where I can see him going? Uh, uh, Montpellier. Yeah, forget, send it to the Farmers League. I think he'd do good. I think it's bang. I think he'd bang in 10, 15 goals in the French Prem, in the French League. Oh. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, so do I. But I think I think the reason it's worth bringing up both is because I think we are at a genuine impasse, right? And also our second, our second 
big overhaul as a Premier League team. The first one was when we came up. Obviously, we had to do huge wholesale changes to be able to stay in that division. Yeah, And I think this is now the second one. Potter has had two years to see what he can get out of the youth products we have and Hewton's team. And he has systematically got rid of those that won't work and kept the ones who will while supplementing it itsy bitsy bits uh, with what he's being allowed to spend. And I think this summer is going to be the one where you can see a whole host of players leave. And I think that it's not going to be crazy to think that come September 1st, we are a team without Mope or Trussard, which is pretty crazy to think of right now. You're, you're right. And Mope is, you know, my my data that I'm pulling out here, and it's, some of it's incomplete, but he's one of the most expensive players at the club um, from, from a contract standpoint. Uh and Welbeck's one-year contract is actually pretty pricey. The other one, obviously, tip top of the list is 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 Adam Lalana earning an absolute stealing a living. Based Out on of contract right this now. summer, I believe he expires um, twenty twenty-three. Yeah, yeah. twenty twenty-three. Um, so yeah, this you've mentioned this a lot. You've got so many players coming up in that twenty twenty-three. I'm a little bit surprised that this wasn't dealt with sooner. Me too. A couple of them. And you have to wonder whether the the departure of certain personnel in the staffing room may have been looking at this, looking down this list and going, I don't know if I want to be around to have to rehaul this this whole thing. Um, Because you might be in for one, we might be in for one or two seasons where it's a struggle. Um. As in, we come to the 24th of April of 2023 and we are not comfortably just seeing how high we can finish in the Premier League. We're in a scrap um, because you're right. It's it's going to be tough. If we don't open that checkbook and sign some players and they land and bed in quickly like some of the players that we have brought in recently have done a great job of, Tukare being a prime example, it's a concern. It's a concern. Uh, the the only yeah. one of your premium players that is under contract, I'm saying premium, you, quote unquote, best, most established players at the club that are under contract beyond 2023. Lewis Dunk, Adam Webster. Yep. And Kukurea. And Kukurea. Because I think you've got to put him on there. You, you have point. to put him there. I'm trying to look who else you've got. And I think by the end of the year, uh, by the end of the season, I think Mwepu is on there too. To be honest. Yeah, but outside of that, you've got an Lamptey. Lamptey's on there, but again, like I, I don't think sample size now we've got a bit more. I don't think you can classify him as one of our most important players. He doesn't Not show right up now. enough. You can't. No. Um and I think, and like I said earlier, I, I think this might be Tarek Lamptey. I think this that you have to he's going to have to miss a game every three or four for the, for his career because he's so slight and he's going to pick up knocks and you're going to need to rest him and he plays at such a high intensity <clears throat> that he can't play every game for 90 minutes. That's just going to be the way that he is. I hope that's not the case. But So, yeah, looking down this, it's going to be – it's a troublesome year for the, for the group. The, the, I guess the minor blessing that we have is this weird, funky World Cup uh, where it's, it's not occurring and we are actually going to be able to sign players because they're not going to be tied up playing international football 
um, because they're not doing that until <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yeah. For us Yank-based people. I think the good thing is is there is a lot of 2023 names here, though, that are already kind of foregone conclusions, right? Lalana, he will become a coach. That's the end of that. He's already agreed to it. That's why he agreed the deal in the first place. Duffy will definitely not be renewed. If we don't offload him this summer, he will just go on a free. Job done. 31 at that point. I just don't see any reason that he'd stay. And Done, same situation. If we can't offload him this summer, he'll be gone on a free anyway. And, and done with the club. Yeah, absolutely. He will be, yeah. Malumbi, if we can't offload him this summer, he'll be done, gone on a free. Steele, probably gone on a free as well. Matt Clark, probably gone on a free if we can't get him offloaded this summer. And then you've got your Van Herk and Ostergaard that will probably be kept. Uh, one of them will be, definitely be kept. And I think it would be uh, Jam Paul, to be honest, if that's Blackburn stuff, it's, it's going to carry over. Um, but when you look at those rest of those names, your Mope, your Trossard, your Basuma, McAllister, Veltman, it's a lot of, it's a lot of important players in the eleven. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I guess the problem that I have there is, yeah, we basically just named the squad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like that's that's not great. No, it's a lot a lot of overhaul coming in. I think. Do you have anything else to cover on City? Because I have one more thing to cover today. Uh, I don't uh, because it was. Just, I already talked about the fact that it didn't seem that we could string two passes together. We got a little bit unlucky. Yeah, that was the conclusion of that game at City. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, just because we are getting to uh, the the end. Um, just to go around the grounds, Scunthorpe have been relegated for a long time, but Oldham Athletic joined them this weekend. Uh, they are the first team in history uh, of who was a Premier League side prior to pre, like, post-92. Yeah, 1994. Uh, they were in the first Merlin Premier League sticker book I ever got. Yeah, and they have now been relegated from the Football League, the first team to have been a Premier League side, not a top division side, of course, before anybody gets at me. I'm aware that the league was around before that. Uh, But yeah, the first Premier League team to be relegated into the National League. Um, And awful lot of similarities with us, isn't there, 25 years ago. Very, very dodgy ownership, major financial mismanagement. Uh, Hopefully we see them come back, I guess but I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, which is pretty sad. Yeah. And it's also just such a different time now where God, I sound like an old, old man where you've got, (laughs) you've got clubs being created with, you know, as NFTs and Hollywood actors coming in and buying league clubs and pouring money into them that once you fall out of this, it's hard. Yeah. Elsewhere, though, uh, at the other end of the table, pretty nice story. Forest Green uh, have just won promotion to League One for the first time in their history. Uh, They are the smallest team in the Football League in terms of population of town. 6,000 people live in Forest Green. Next biggest is Fleetwood, uh, which is like 22,000. They are going to be popping up into League One. Uh, I think everybody knows a little bit about who Forest Green are. Full vegan club. They're wanting to build a stadium made out of wood. They, I think they traveled to their latest game uh, in an electric bus. Um, very admirable stuff, honestly. Uh, I'm here for it. I like them. I like them as a team. Uh, I would like to see them have a few more fans. But when you have 6,000 living in your entire catchment area, it's a little bit tough. Uh, yeah, it's hard, yeah. They're going to have a hard time, aren't they, next year, I think. <laughs> 
six thousand is rough. Yeah, it's I, I, I like the stuff when people talk about Villarreal because um, they're from a very small town, but big enough where it's they can still have a they can sell out that stadium. There's the, the entire town shuts down when they play, and they're managed from an ownership standpoint so well that they, they can do what they're doing uh, in, in European football. Uh, it's those stories are always quite nice. Morecambe, League One, not yet safe from being never, ever relegated. Uh, one game to go, two points clear of the drop. Um, they have Gillingham in the bottom four. Um, Going to be very tight indeed. Fleetwood in between them, sandwiched in between them. Uh, we're game in hand, though, so that's why I'm not including them in the conversation. Uh, and Wigan, uh, all but promoted mathematically back to the, the championship. Um, top of the division uh, and it looks very likely that Rotherham are going to follow and back up uh, the perennial Norwich of the championship and league one aren't they Rotherham um, and quite shockingly uh, Sunderland are going to make another playoff <laughs> they deserve they have I mean they're too too much of a fan base to not be back up into at least more competitive football. <laughs> uh, and maybe that's a disservice saying more competitive, higher tier, let's say. Yeah, it's a hard it's a hard division to get it's out very, of. Yes, very competitive, let me put it that way, yeah. Uh, right. And more on our area, uh, division just below us, we're starting to get some uh, decisions made. Barnsley officially relegated after making the playoffs last season. Uh, that's what happens when you lose your top scorer, your manager, um, and just about shit the bed, isn't it? Uh, they they won six games all year in the championship. That's shocking. Six wins all year. That's a t- it's a tough league. That's a tough league. Like I don't I don't. This is why no one ever wants to get relegated from the Premiership and go back to the Championship because you can get stuck in the mire down there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're not going to find it easy to come back. Uh, Derby County, rightfully relegated uh, a year too late. Um, they are what do you think happens to Rooney? Do you think he gets a better job? That's, that's what I was just about to ask you the question. <laughs> I, I got gonna, there first. I was, was going to say, I think Derby are going to find uh, that league very tough. Uh, just like Sunderland, I think they're going to hit quite the brick wall um, when they get down there. Uh, there's a lot of good teams that should that have been where they've been. Charlton, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, if they fail to go up again. You've got plenty of teams down there that Peterborough who are joining them, who have know all about that league. Um, I think Derby Lee, I think Rooney leaves. Yeah. I think he's talked a really good game, uh, but I think he'll go, there'll be a managerial merry-go-round in that championship inevitably. uh, And I think he'll go. Um, Wouldn't surprise me if he ends up at somewhere like Watford. Uh, uh, He's going to get sold a dream. Um, and inevitably get sacked in three months, which is the Watford way. Here's the content that I want to happen. Um, this is the, re- <laughs> the reality that I want want to occur. Everton are going to get relegated. Yes. Lampard gets fired. Rooney takes the Everton job in the championship. It's a really, really, really likely possibility as the weeks go by. Yeah, um, this is what this is what I want to unfold. Because we are about to get to that. Uh, Peterborough joined them. Unfortunately, didn't didn't show enough to get Reading sent down, which is what I was really hoping for. Uh, Peterborough are nailed down, so nothing to play for uh, in that bottom half of the championship. It's done. So uh, similar at the top, really. Fulham promoted with like a bajillion games in hand. Really, 
they've scored yeah. 99 goals already, uh, 87 points. They have just, they've took their foot off the gas, really. This last couple of games sound familiar. Uh, yeah, I wonder if they'll spend a bit again and make that same mistake or whether they'll try and do it differently. But I don't think they will. I think they'll just do it again. I think the perennial question is, what do you do with Mr. Mitrovic, who can score 40 goals in the championship and four in the Premier League? What do you do with the player like that? I've got some good players around him now, though. They do. Uh, but it's just whether they can keep hold of them, too. Um, but they've been so far and away the best team that you can't imagine too many players necessarily want to depart from them because they must be feeling like they could just beat anyone at the moment. Agreed. Uh, elsewhere, Bournemouth are almost definitely going to join them. Um, two games in hand on the teams in the playoffs and they're two points clear. You win those two, you that's it. Mathematically, it's done. Uh, I don't know who they have to play in those two games in hand, but I would imagine that you're probably going to see a P next to their name sooner than later uh, with those two in hand. So we get to see Eddie, Eddie Howe face Bournemouth potentially next year then, most likely. So, yeah, what what do you think Bournemouth do? No Eddie Howe. Uh, their team was not good enough for the Premier League for several years and managed to get by on Eddie Howe alone. They haven't particularly invested well in terms of Premier League quality possibly coming up, unlike Fulham, which have a couple of players that you can see being a Premier League team, right? Do you think they're just relegation fodder? Feels that way to me. It's so hard to judge without a transfer window. I know, but it um, just feels like it's it. like Norwich last year. I find it hard to see what kind of deals they could do in the summer that make them a relevant danger to anyone in the Premier League, however harsh that sounds. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Um, they're not. I mean, they didn't. They just draw. But they just drew with Fulham, didn't they? Um, they did yeah. I think it. It just one, depends one, whether yeah. they go with the the, the the Norwich route, as you say. Like, it's profitable. I think we we have to we look at it from a Brighton perspective. We hope for these sides, right? Because we want to be able to look at the Premier League table and go, they're going back down. Save, like, save, that's all save. we want to say. <laughs> Uh, so yes, I hope that that is the case because yes, their team right now does not look anywhere near. It looks like they need ten new players <laughs> for, for for the starting lineup. Yeah, um, which is not you don't say that about Fulham. Like Fulham can supplement the team; they're in a great position. Felt the same when bigger sides have gone down in the past, right? Where you or you basically go. Um, I mean, who's at Newcastle being a, a more recent example? A few years ago, you go. They don't need to overhaul the entire team. They need to add a few players in and they'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, Bournemouth aren't like that. No, they do not look good enough to stay up unless they make massive changes. Playoff picture looks just about wrapped up. Millwall are three points off the playoffs. Uh, they're going to need to basically win both, uh, which is tough to do in any league, but especially the championship and hope that Sheffield United lose both. Uh or at least lose and draw one, uh, which yeah. is, again, super tough. Um, not unheard of at that level. It's a weird league, uh, but it looks like that playoff picture is all but assured. Uh, Huddersfield, team that a lot of people, including myself, thought might not be back in this picture for quite some time. 
uh, with the way they went down. But here they are sat in third place, only two points off the top two. They're not going to make it unless Bournemouth actually do lose both their games in hand, which would be absolute scenes. Uh, but they are going to be pretty much assured of a of a top area of the playoff spot, right? They're not going to have to sit in sixth. Uh, they're, they're well and truly in that top half of the playoffs. Forest, long time coming for them, isn't it? Uh, they are obviously a very big club uh, with a very big fan base um, that would probably become quite a decent Premier League team if they come up, which is one team I would rather not see. Uh, Sheffield United in there in sixth place. They know what the Premier League is about. They've been ran pretty well. Uh, and the team that I want to come up the most, not just for the Brighton sake of being safe, but just for the drama, we could be sat in a world where Watford go down and Luton come up via the playoffs. And wouldn't that just be a wonderful little area? <sighs> yeah. That, uh, yes. That would be good to see happen. I'm, I'm, I might regret saying this, but I'd like to see Forrest go up. Because um, I think they'll be the most competitive, which is bad for us. But the job that Steve Cooper's done, resurrecting a side that was left devastated uh, after Hewton yep. uh, is nothing short of incredible. Like he's been, I mean, his, his win percentage is almost 60% with that team since he's taken over. 37, 37 games, 22 wins, nine draws. They've lost six games in 37 under him after being horrendous. Uh, just to go back, Hewton's 53-game win percentage was, is 26% with, with, with Forrest. So it over d- double. Like, that, to me, would be the, the icing on the on the cake for them and, and would be fully deserved. Yeah. Uh, I'm Team Luton, not just for that, but for Nathan Jones as well. Um, I would love to see him get them promoted. Uh, the only selfish part of me that doesn't want him to uh, is he, he is my next Brighton manager-elect whenever Potter leaves. Uh, <laughs> well, I wouldn't rule him out now. We don't want Potter to go anywhere for a while. So, Agreed. Uh, I think he'll stay, stick around. Uh, then finally, Norwich gone, Watford all but gone. Uh, and today we've just yeah. had Burnley. Deitch or no Deitch, man. They don't die, do they? They will not go away. Burnley are just victimising the Premier League with this never-say-die attitude. Uh, They beat Wolverhampton Wanderers at home uh, to go two points clear of Everton. Uh, Everton do have two games in hand. One of them is underway and at halftime right now and currently sat at 0-0. Not sure who their other game in hand is. I don't know if you have it to hand. Uh, But we are looking at another Burnley resurgence, uh, beating Southampton 2-0, beating Wolves 1-0. Uh, getting a point away at West Ham. Uh, this is a team that are going to drag this kicking and screaming to the last day, aren't they? I think it's great to see this. Uh, and I know it's... next, by the way. They have Watford next. And so Everton's games, right, obviously Liverpool right now. Then they play Chelsea and then they play Leicester. Uh and they do have a game against Watford, but they then play Brentford, Palace, and then Arsenal to, to round the season out. That's not easy. And they don't know that they can beat anyone at the moment. Um, well, I'm sure we'll stop recording. They end up beating Liverpool 1-0 or something ridiculous. But, of course, um, as is tradition. The way these things go. But you have to say, when you're impartial to this, seeing Everton get relegated would be 
hilarious. Um, I'd love it as Keegan uh, would say. Yeah, yeah. I'd love I, it. I, I, <laughs> it. I mean, they're trying to get a new stadium. They've got internationals left, right and centre in that team. Just the fallout from them getting relegated would be unbelievable. I mean, God, I think Liverpool would rather let Man City win the title and see Everton go down than the alternative occur. Like their fans would enjoy that more. I think I'm going to make that a poll and see if I can get another Everton and Liverpool fans <laughs> on it. Yeah. See, would you rather su- like succumb to the title race and see Everton go down, or would you rather win the title and see them stay up? Yeah, um, I think it, I I'm think intrigued. it has to be that they'd rather see Everton get relegated just because <laughs> think how long they could lord that over. They've won the league, but seeing Everton go down would just be the most novel thing. And think for us, we're we're flying around like vultures, right? Um, in the nicest possible way. You, you you want some of those Everton players more than you want some of those Burnley players, with all due respect. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got a couple of players on the list here that are going to be way out of our. Uh, monetary, yeah, like Calvert Lewin goes right? to an Arsenal or someone, Richardson, yeah. Richardson, uh, Anthony Gordon probably goes to someone very, very good given the insane season he's had. He's been really uh, good. Alan is really good, yeah. But uh, you've got your players there, you've got players there, you've got Deli Alley, give me Ducore, Ducore, Damari I'll ta- Gray. I'll take him, I'll take Damari Gray as well, yeah. Um. They've got some players in there that that will be absolutely picked apart. Would it be the most shocking relegation in our lives lifetimes? Do you think, based on expectations this season, where they were they were building for? Think think about how the season started. Uh, James Rodriguez I mean, they flew off as well. They were Yeah, they destroyed us. Yeah, and now you're, you're you're thinking about whether you fire Lampard because you're. You lost to Burnley in a relegation run. Like you know, it's it's incredible. I, it it would be. I can't think of a more surprising outcome from the start to the end of a season of a side getting relegated. Um, because at least with the Newcastle years, you look at Ashley and you go, "Well, yeah." I mean, but this is just. It would be unprecedented with the amount of money that they've spent to create that team for it to just capitulate at that level would be just unparalleled. I think the only one to me that compares, because I think Leeds back when we were much younger in the early 2000s were so destroyed financially. Yeah. Similar, which similar is like the Viduka kind of era. Yeah. Uh, Birmingham, when they won the, when they went to Europe and everything, then got promptly relegated the next season while playing. Yeah, you got Portsmouth collapsed as well, but that all got financial motivated too. West Ham, I think the only one when yeah. we were younger as well. Um, that what two thousand and three, one, two, somewhere around there when they went down. I think that's the first time I ever heard as a kid, like, nah, they're too good to go down. Um, yeah, I think this. I think this is probably more than any of them. Because of where we are in the league now, and the money being spent, and how like how many how much money they've spent, and then as you said, like expectations is just it's amazing. Yeah, West Ham were always flirting with being down at bottom there for even for a number of years, even despite the fact that they were capable and had players that sort of defined the earlier Premier League era. Um, this yeah, this side, this Everton side is on paper. A, a top eight team, a decent side, yeah. Uh, 
No, it shouldn't. It. it shouldn't be a top eighteen team. Put it that you way. Love, you love to see it. You really, really do. do. Uh, that's it. That's all I had. Uh, just to go around the grounds with uh, with everything coming towards the business end of the season. Uh, we'll probably do that again in a month's time when everything's officially done. Uh, see where everybody ended up. Um, that's everything I've got. Uh, probably the same for you. It's a half time in the Merseyside derby, so we can get down there and uh, and get that on the TV. Yeah, I'm just excited to see how the season finishes out for us. But with with playing Wolves, Man City, Leeds, and West Ham, none of these teams are, uh, at the moment are necessarily redefining themselves and what they're hoping to achieve. It's all just kind of just a a waddle to the finish line with this lot. In some instances, maybe us included. But it'd be nice if we could solidify a little bit and get a a nice high place finish and a, a points tally that is above and beyond what we've we've managed which i think we're already going to do just by default right hopefully we don't lose one more point game yeah. yeah that's all we need that's all i want honestly at this yeah. point yeah yeah uh, i'll be happy for us to come out of here with 42 points and know we've improved in our best season i'll yeah. take that at this uh, point. and that's fine so let's let's hopefully we can do that and then really my eyes have now shifted to what we were talking about earlier we summer. It, it's the summer it's just going to be our most important summer in recent recent memory uh, in, in some ways in the premier most league history, summer in premier league history yeah exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah. It, it really is because if if there's a misstep here and the wrong players start to wind down their contracts and start to really their heads will go when they can start coming off international football in a world cup in, in a time period in, in a season we've not seen before they then start talking to clubs in january if their contracts expire in the summer 2023 which means they take the foot off the gas and don't care about playing for this club anymore you can find yourself in a really sticky situation once we get to november december um have to avoid that have to avoid that at all costs yep agreed well said good way to finish it uh so we will be back next week uh and i believe today was uh the next week is the last uh three o'clock kickoff uh of the year for the Arbian of the season for the Arbian. uh we kick off saturday morning 10 o'clock for those in the u.s uh east coast three o'clock kickoff uh away at molyneux um be an interesting one they've similar to us they've not got a huge amount going on so it may end up being an absolute dreary affair or an absolute barn burner um, probably nothing in between. So. Yeah, we've we got Basuma back. It's all I'm really focused on. I, hopefully Lamptey will have enough time to recover and it will look a different different outfit from today. Agreed. All right, cool. Well, we will uh, speak next week. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Uh, and it will be the last weekend of April, for crying out loud. Next Jesus. Week. Jesus Christ. Uh, have a good one, boys, and stay safe. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>